0: What's up coaches? Welcome to this week's episode of Keep Your Pads Down, a podcast for the men in the trenches. This week, we didn't even have to leave the 936 area code to find our next guest, and that is Coach Sadiq Haynes, the defensive tackles coach from Sam Houston State University. Coach Haynes played for current Sam Houston head coach Casey Keeler at the University of Delaware, where he played defensive tackle for the Blue Hens. While at Delaware, Coach Haynes played on two teams that reached the FCS National Championship game in 2007 and then again in 2010. Coach Haynes came to Sam Houston in 2014, and since then has enjoyed a tremendous amount of success over in East Texas. Bearcats have been one of the premier teams in all of FCS for the past decade. In Coach Haynes' time in Huntsville, Sam Houston reached the postseason for four straight years from 2014 to 2017, winning two Southland Conference Championships and reaching the national semifinals during three of those seasons. Coach Haynes has coached two All-Americans in his time at Sam Houston, including P.J. Hall, second-round pick of the Oakland Raiders in the 2018 NFL Draft. Bearcats finished second in the End Conference in each of the past two seasons in sacks, racking up 37 total sacks this past season. Today we're going to talk to Coach Haynes about defending the inside zone and the fundamentals of pass rush, so let's get started. Chains, thanks so much for coming on and talking with us. Really appreciate you being here and really look forward to uh, talking to a little, little defensive line play with you. Now, tell us a little bit about your career as a player. You know, you grew up in North Carolina and played, played college ball at Delaware, and that's a long <laughs> way from home. So how'd you end up at Delaware?
1: Yes, sir. First off, thanks for having me on here. You know, like I said, so I grew up in North Carolina, and, um, you know, it, it was funny because it came all the way up until a week before signing day. And um, my, my, my defensive line coach, Coach Law, gave me a call, and he asked me if I wanted to come up for their last weekend for for an official visit. And, um, you know, took my visit, fell in love with the coaches, fell in love with the campus. And um, at that time, they didn't have a, a scholarship available, uh, but they talked to me about being a gray shirt. Um, you know, so I had to go up to Delaware for my first fall semester, and I actually gray shirted, which means I had to go to Delaware Tech, uh, to a community college, take an English and a math credit, um, took those credits, got an A and a B in the class, uh, which showed them that I could take uh, college courses. And then once I got admitted to the school in January, it was actually an interesting story because um, coach wanted me to lose some weight. You know, I came out of high school at 335 pounds, and he said over the fall semester he wanted me to get down to 300. Um, so when I when I came in January, um, you know, to to campus, I was at 299, and I can and I brought in an A and a B. Uh, so that 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 showed well as far as my dedication and um, they actually awarded me a scholarship for that spring semester because they had wow. some money. Um, so that that was pretty cool, had my spring semester. You know, after the spring, which he told me, he said the scholarship would run out, you know, so I just had that money for that semester and then I was still a walk-on in the summer. You know, fast forward, I wound up playing my freshman year, one of only four freshmen to play that season. And, um, you know, through my career, you know, went to two national championships, one my freshman year, one my senior year. Was fortunate to play with some big time players, uh, one such as Joe Flacco my freshman year. You know, it took us all the way. Unfortunately, we fell short to Appalachian State, um, you know, which that year they beat Michigan. So they were, right. they, they had a yeah. hot hand. Yeah. Um, and then my senior year, we played against Eastern Washington in the national championship. And uh, the cool thing about that team is we had a, we had seniors overall throughout the year and juniors. Um, some great leadership, and we, we knew what it took to get there. Obviously, playing with those guys my freshman year, um, and you know that game we just fell short. You know we went up went up nineteen points going into halftime, and and they wound up coming out coming out beating us twenty to nineteen. Um, so you know over over that course of time, man, uh, you know I, I earned a full scholarship by my sophomore year, became an all conference player, was a two year starter my junior senior year, um, and 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 much to that success, probably the best thing that I've done sorry, best thing that I did while being at the University of Delaware is uh, being awarded the Allstate AFCA Good Works Team Captain. And uh, what that is, is, is based off of your community service. You know, I had well over 200 hours over the course of the four and a half years that I was at Delaware. And, uh, you know, the year that I was nominated to be on the team, you know, which is compromised of 22 student athletes from all divisions, 11 from 1A and then 11 from the rest of the divisions. You know, I made that team, which was cool. And then the, that was the first year they, they allowed people to vote for a captain, which, you know, the university did a did an amazing job marketing me and, and getting people to vote for me, so I was voted captain. Um, so from there, you know, um, because I was voted captain and, and you know, I, I left some good marks on the university, they created a position for me in athletic marketing. Uh, but that kind of just summed up, you know, my career as far as playing football and everything.
0: Well, Coach, that's an amazing story and, and really – you know, I'm sure there's some guys listening who uh, are wanting to play college football just to hear how that process came and 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 it was down to the final weekend and probably didn't work out the way that you had envisioned it. But to be able to go from a gray shirt and a guy who had to go busted at a junior college to uh, to your starter and like you said, a member of the AFCA as a good works team is that? Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, good works team, yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, and then and then to be employed by the university, I mean, it's just a testament to you know what hard work can do for you and and it. it success doesn't come easy and it's not you know uh, always the way that we envision it so so when people look at at, if if they're looking at your coaching bio and see that you're at Sam Houston State now with Coach Keeler who is your coach at Delaware they probably assume that you went just from Delaware and kind of skated into a a, a D1 coaching gig with with one of the the premier FCS teams in the country but that's not exactly how it happened is it?
1: No. So, uh, once I was done, you know, I had a shot to go try out for an arena team. Uh, did that. Uh, that didn't work out. But the cool thing about that was, um, you know, the university had created a position for me in athletic marketing because I had did so well in community service. Um, so, this position specifically was dealing with community service with all the other sports. And um, I, I organized anytime they needed to go into the community. So, I did that for two years uh, right after I was done graduating. Um, and during that time, I think after my second year, Coach Killer had got fired. Um, so while I was doing that, you know, obviously as you know in business, money runs out if they create positions, and it did for for my athletic marketing um, position. So then I transitioned into actually selling cars for Nissan. So I was a sales consultant, and I was doing that for about eight months. Well, probably about six and a half, seven months into it, um, I was sitting at work one night, and you know, I got a I got a call from Coach Killer. And uh, when I answered it, he wasn't on the phone at first. And then, uh, you know, I kind of said hello a couple times, and he picked up the phone, and, uh, you know, he told me it was an accident, but, uh, but we actually got got a, got a chance to catch up, and he told me where he was as far as working for ESPN. You know, I told him that I was working for Nissan, and, you know, he just asked me what I eventually wanted to do. And at that point, you know, I wanted to get back into coaching, get, or rather get into coaching, get back into football, and, uh, you know, we said if, if, if an opportunity presented itself, he would let me know, and he'd love me to be a part of his staff. And, um, you know, once he got hired, he called me down to, to with the opportunity to be a part of his staff. So, very fortunate for that. Wow.
0: Wow. That's amazing. And and so, obviously, you've enjoyed a lot of success since, uh, since being at Sam Houston under Coach Keeler. And I'm sure you've been around some other great coaches there who've influenced you and and, uh, sort of helped you become the coach you are today, coming from, you know, with no coaching experience now, to where you are at, at this point. So, talk to talk to me about some coaches who have sort of influenced you, whether it be as a player or as a coach now, that have kind of helped you out along the way.
1: Uh, well, initially, when I got down there, um, I was in a unique position because, you know, coach thought that I should uh, be a part of the offensive side of the ball. Um, I had a former teammate that had got concussions that couldn't really play that also came down with me. He was a safety... So coach gave him the defensive um, quality control position. And I was on the offensive side of the ball. So I was assisting the offensive line, uh, which was cool for me because I had a chance to kind of diagnose what they did on that side of the ball for the right, first time. Right. It made me a complete coach as far as coaching the defensive line. So Coach Longo was, was one of the, he was the offensive coordinator who I worked uh, hand in hand with. And, and Coach Tatum was the online coach which you know during those years that i was over there we had the number one offense in the country right uh, you know with that being said you know we we gave up the least amount of sacks in the conference and, and i believe we we're in the top 10 for the country so not only were we scoring points at a, at a high rate but we were also giving up the least amount of sacks so it was a cool opportunity to me uh, cool opportunity for me to to learn and understand how they pass protect and you know how we did things and and transitioning over that to the defensive side of the ball, learning all that from Coach Longo and, and Coach Tatum. You know, I then become a full-time coach and get a chance to work with Coach Wright, um, who was a Texas Consensus All-American, played in the NFL, and um, wound up getting his first full-time job at San Francisco State University. So, you know, what he had done up until that point while I was on the offensive side of the ball, you know, he had a freshman that that was, a, was an All-American who wound up you know, I was able to coach my senior year along with Coach Wright, who, who got drafted to the Raiders. But he had some players over there fundamentally that, that, that he did a, an amazing job with. And, you know, just being able to relate to the players, getting them to understand the scheme, you know, understanding how you have to coach your players to get the most out of them, he kind of gave me that direction and, 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 you know, really helped me out a lot as far as growing and developing into a, into a defensive line coach. Um, so those as far as fundamentally and, and I think overall, you know, why it was easy for me to pack up my car and drive 22 hours uh, is because of Coach Killer's vision and um, his willingness and want to win and, and willingness and want to run a successful program. So um, those guys, I, I, I think I probably learned the, the most from as far as on the field and, and football, football IQ.
0: Well, so tell me about you know coaching offensive line. You said you it was it was good for you because you're able to diagnose some things that they that they do over there and how they think. So tell tell me maybe a little more specifically how that helped helped you with yeah. your defensive line.
1: So um, as an offense, you know we were we were very simple, and one of the things that we did really well is we played fast. So in order for you to play fast, you can't have a lot going on as far as signals, as far as calls. Uh, We kept things very simple for those guys up front. Um, And what I learned from that is once they knew what they were doing, they could play fast and instinctive. And, you know, it wasn't that we did a lot, but what we did, they did effectively very well. Um, And and that was your, you know, running your zone, running your powers, um, your counters, pass, pro, half line, slide, man on one side, full slide. I understand the concept and and why we did those things. So seeing that, seeing the tempo, seeing the production, um, seeing with how many offensive linemen we played with, I understood the effectiveness of an offense that can move like that. Um, And how that helped me out is, you know, simple things as far as a half-line slide. You know, as a player, uh, I somewhat understood that, but it was more of a reaction. And uh, pre-snap, I felt like maybe I could have knew more, Um, but our coach put us in positions that, you know, if we had any stunt steps or any, any movements that we had going on, uh, we knew where we were going. But now diving more into the system and more into why they, they did the full line slide and the half line slide, you know, thinking back now, it, it put me in a great position to, to understand why they did that and, and how to attack them. Um, so keep, you know, staying with the offensive line, you know, it's it's easy sometimes to find a weak link. The the most successful offensive lines, they move in sync, they move as one. So they work really well together. Uh, defensively, you got to have an aggressive front, but also you have a chance to isolate the worst offensive line and, and be very productive on that one guy, um, which makes it a little easier.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, and, and tempo is such a—it's um, uh, something that it seems like everybody's doing nowadays, and 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 something that all defenses have to have a plan for. Mm-hmm. So. If you are now, now that you're looking at it from a defensive defensive perspective, how, as a defensive line coach, would you have tack, attacked that offense? Um, you know, and encountered the the tempo and, and that sort of thing. What were some things that you would have that that would have given y'all problems? Um, well, we,
1: we put we put a lot
0: of dynamic players in space, and
1: you know, our philosophy was you get the ball into the hands of the athletes and let them go play. Right. And, how you stop that obviously is getting those teams behind the chains, getting them in definite pass down situations and then being able to convert when you get them behind the chains in those pass down situations because as fast as as those teams play, you know they they have to be able to move the ball. Right. And if you going if you're going three and out in 15 seconds, well that's not good, you know, and and that's how you get in trouble because You do these fast tempo offenses, but you're not being very productive, which then you put your defense on the field for more snaps and more reps than they probably need to be. Oh, yeah. Now you have to worry about your defense getting tired. And then we, you know, if we as a defense can get a stop and our offense can make a score, well, now we're looking at a game at a team that likes to play fast tempo. And now they have to be a little wiser with the ball because it's not going to be as easy.
0: Right. Yeah, it's a great point. Great point. Yeah, uh, you got to make sure you're converting those third downs always. you get some long looks from your defense as you're coming off the field. Uh, well, so now let's move into specifically defensive line stuff. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, – you're the defensive tackles coach, um, and I, I believe – are you all 4-2-5, is that correct? Yes, sir, we're four, two, 5 Okay. We're five, so. Yeah, well, so tell me, tell me a little bit about just some, uh, some of your everyday drills, some things that you do uh, – that you like to do to um, – Uh, Sort of coach up those fundamentals, you know, address hands, eyes, uh, alignment, those types of things with your guys. Yeah, so um,
1: naturally, so we practice in the morning.
0: Um, Our guys on the field at 8 a.m. And,
1: you know, one of the things that that we do now as a defense is your traditional step-over bags will have two lines. And as soon as we're done warm-up, I mean, it's, it's as soon as coach breaks them down, the guys sprint, they get to the two lines, and we just do your traditional bag drills, step overs, uh, one over each, turn sideways laterally, um, in and out. And what that does is just, it gets the guys going immediately. All right, immediately. So after we get that done, uh, we'll transition to indie drills. All right. And, and the emphasis for, for any defensive line is making sure they play with aggression, making sure they play with their hands, and making sure they're explosive. Okay, so we want to make sure that that their their eyes and their hands are active. So, you know, we'll we'll start in a two point stance, just having them standing up. Um, feet are staggered as if they are in their three point stance, right? Because all that stuff marries up as far as when you get into your three point stance. We don't want anything to be different,
0: right?
1: And what we'll do is we'll shade them, have their hands obviously knees bent, chest up, good football position, two point stance. Now, your feet aren't going to be um, even. All right, again, they're going to be staggered toe to instep, and um, you know, on the snap count, we always we have a ball key. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll give them, we'll give them a hit, and all we're looking for is explosion out of the hips, aggressive hands, and making sure our eyes are where they're supposed to be. Uh, whenever you're 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 facing an offensive lineman or facing a target, you know you'll you'll always see key the ball, key the ball, key the ball. All right, but you'll have defensive linemen that are, they'll be down in a three-point stance turning to look at the ball, okay? And that's not effective because, you know, we we tell them if you're going into a boxing match, all right, and you got to fight the person in front of you, are you going to be looking at the ref to fight the guy that you're on? Or are you going to be looking at the guy that you're fighting in order to attack him? Okay, so same premise. All right, use your perif to see that ball, but we want your eyes on the man that you're on. All right, hands need to be active and ready to go because we're striking with those every single play, all right? And our hands, uh, the, they're the most important thing as a defensive lineman, being able to control your target, okay? So making sure the hands are active. And then naturally, you always have to come out of your hips in order to get that explosion, all right? So hands, hips, and eyes are very important. So we'll start in that 2 point, And then we'll progress from that, all right? We'll go to six-point, all right? Toes, knees, hands on the ground. Cur- curl your toes, load up almost like a spring, All right. And the person that they're going on will be down on their knees as well. And all we're doing is exploding, coming out of our hips, fully extended. Okay, so that'll that'll warm up, being able to come out of your hips, hands again. They're still staying active. They're still staying ready to go. All right. And then we'll transition to three point stands, kind of putting everything together. Um, So doing that, having them wake up with the bags, having them wake up their hands, eyes and hips, um, you know, goes a long way. And then from there, just just. Working on, um, you know, being able to stay low, all right, we'll do a cone drill. It, it's similar to a star drill, okay? So we'll start outside the star, um, and they'll always touch that middle cone with their right, and the four corners they'll touch with their left. Okay. All right, hit the, middle with the, hit the middle with the right, bottom left with the left. Middle with the right, bottom right with the left. All right, they'll do the star, and then when they finish, they, they get out. All right, so that's another one. And then we also use the chutes. OK, what the shoots allow you to do is not only are you staying low because you got to come out of your hips. Um, if you get high, obviously your helmet will hit, you know, hit the shoots, which we don't want. So it forces them to stay low, uh, but we'll also make them, um, you know, focus on a reach block. So not only are you coming out of your hips, back is away. OK, so we're expecting that reach block. We always tell them that. Uh, so they're focusing on that. They're able to come out of their hips, attack with their hands, eyes, be aggressive and get vertical. So those are some of the standard, you know, everyday drills. Right. You, you always need to be working on your hands. You always need to be working on coming out of your hips. Your eyes need to be disciplined, and then your feet will follow.
0: Now, coach, on those sleds when they're when they're coming out, you said you would like to you know have them see a reach block. Is there a, do they have a defensive lineman in front of them that's an offensive lineman that's giving them a reach block, or what, how are they all simulating yes. that? Yes. So,
1: so we have we have the shoots, and we'll have the defensive lineman underneath the shoots. Um, so there's a two-part progression. We'll, we'll, we'll zero them out on, you know, a defensive lineman, whoever you have there, um, and let them come out of their hips. And then from there, we'll shade them. Okay. All right, still have that look guy up there, shade up to the right or the left, um, tell them the back is set away, so we're expecting the reach block. So now we have to come out of her hips. And then the last progression is we'll shade them into the side that they're shaded on those blue step overs, we'll put those on the ground, all right, kind of on the same level as the offensive line. And why we do that is, A, we want them to get vertical. So if your foot, if you, if, you, if you come off the ball and you're working that reach block and your foot touches the blue step over, well, that means you're not getting vertical, you're getting lateral. Okay, so it okay. forces them – to get vertical and obviously they, they won't injure themselves if they step on that bag the, the blue step over. So right. that's why we put it get there. Um, but that is, is a mental, it's a middle, it's a middle note for them that they have to come off the ball and get vertical instead of getting lateral. Obviously we want them in their gap and sometimes your gaps move, but right. we want them to focus on exploding out of their hips, getting vertical. So that can be a staple for them. And then they can focus on getting in their gap.
0: So is that blue step over? Uh, if if I'm the defensive lineman, is that right up against my the foot that I'm stepping with, or do you say it's uh, even with the offensive lineman?
1: I I would say it's probably two about uh, probably about two feet to the right. Okay. 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 So if, if I was the half, I got you. Right,
0: and I'm, so yeah. I'm staying inside of it. I'm staying inside exactly. of that bag. Okay. Exactly. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. yeah, that's a. I think that's a. That's a great point and, and something. You know, small, but then also it's a great visual key for those guys to to have it in their mind to to get upfield and p- to penetrate that gap and, and own their gap. So uh, that's awesome. Now, now tell me about um, shoots. How often do you use shoots? Often are those something that you use a lot? I'm sorry, yeah. not shoots. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I I'm misspoke. smoke. Uh, sleds, sleds. sleds.
1: Okay, yeah. So the sleds is just based on indie. Um, I wouldn't say we hit them every day, but it is a staple that we like to use at least once a week. And um, You know, I'm very minimal as far as what I need for drill work because as long as we have another body in front of us, that's what we're going to be going against. Right. All right, so I can live, die, and breathe on that. But, you know, we have a buckboard, which is just a long board. It's very stiff. All right, we usually use two guys on that. That wakes their hands up, making sure they're ready to strike, waking them up in the morning just to push that sled. It's something that won't give as much as a two-man sled. Right. So we'll warm up with that. And the sled allows them to fully extend, come out their hips, um, making sure their hands are in the right place. And then once they work their release, they're able to work their release on air um, and, and, and get off that sled. So okay. we, thought that we try to work that in at least maybe once a week to, to get those guys warmed up. If not, we'll just use another body.
0: So when you guys are recruiting uh, guys out of high school, and you're looking at their tape, and you're you're watching them, and you're evaluating them. What are some skills that that we as high school coaches need to be making making sure that we're instilling in those defensive linemen uh, to give them the best shot at being successful, whether that be playing uh, in college or just playing or you know winning Friday night? What are some some skills that y'all are looking for uh, from those guys?
1: Well, uh, what I will say is is a credit a credit to to a lot of the Texas high schools. Um, you know, you guys do a really good job Is just, just in general as far as understanding the game and technique. And um, it, it makes our job a little easier once we get those guys because we don't have to break them all the way down. And do we start from day one? Absolutely. We start from day one whenever we start a new semester. Right. Um, but, you know, some of, some of the mechanics is um, seeing if they understand where their eyes and their hands go, see if they understand what it means to stay in their gap. Uh, we look at hips, whether they're st- whether they have stiff hips or not, uh, whether they can bend, and some of those are just the basic mechanics of of to be a successful defensive lineman. Now you will have some guys that have stiff hip, stiff stiff hips, all right, and and those sometimes you run into issues with um, guys that aren't as flexible and can't bend. Um, that's sometimes a red flag because all those are, are mechanics and tools that you need to be a successful defensive lineman, but. You know understanding what it means to give effort you know do we have guys that are that that the plays on the other side of the field and and are you a guy that's walking there right Uh, we watch everything when we watch game film we watch every play we see who you are as a player who are you as a player are you a guy that's going 110 miles an hour and you tire yourself out that's why coach has to take you out or are you trying to save some energy and the ball's over there i'm not going to be affected so I'm not going to go hard, right? Those are the things, you know, are you a guy that's hitting people after the whistle? You know, a lot of things tell us who you are as a player just based off of the film. And then we'll do our homework as far as finding out more, but a lot can tell us what we need to know just basically from watching film and watching how a guy reacts and watching how a guy plays and seeing how technically sound he is. Um, Sometimes you just have raw players who, who, who can just go, all right? we get paid to coach. So I'm not saying if a guy isn't technically sound, we won't take them. All right. Because that's what we're coached to do. Coach these guys right, up on technique. Right. Uh, you just want to make sure they have all the tools and mechanics that they, that they need to be successful once we do coach them.
0: And like you said, the film doesn't lie. You know what you are, what the film says you are, no matter what, what you say. So, uh, well, let's move into inside zone. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, I heard you speak at the at, at Glazer clinic in Dallas on this topic and, and really enjoyed what you had to say here. so, just start off by telling us how you uh, how you talk about, go about coaching that with your guys with your four-man front. Um, what are some keys to defending inside zone?
1: Alright, so so number one, before you can do anything, you know, you have to be able to, to get lined up. Alright, in order for you to get lined up, you obviously have to know the call. Um, so understanding the call and the scheme is important, but first and foremost, um, understanding where the running back is. Alright, that's something that we have to harp on our players constantly because the running back more times than none will give you a better idea of where the ball is going. Okay, so so if the running back is offset to the defensive right, more than likely percentage says he's going to run the ball to the left. You right. Know? And the only plays that you will have to where they keep it same side, sure, they can do a same side power. Um, they can do option. Uh, but what you're looking for as far as your alignment, it will particularly be the same. So if you have the running back to your side, all right, that can be three technique, that can be the nose, it can be the five. If you're to the running back side, you want your alignment to be tighter. Okay, I always say hand between the crotch, hand on his crotch. All right, and why you do that is because we're expecting the alignment to the side of the running back to go down. Okay, so if we play loose, we would give that second guy a chance to reach us or to right. scoop
0: us. Right.
1: Okay, so high emphasis on where are you lining up where the running back is. Okay, and if you're away from the running back, your hand is on the outside of the person you're lined up's foot. Okay, so we're a little looser. All right. so day one, when we talk about zone, 10 personnel, there's the no why off right now, just 10 personnel success will be dictated off of your alignment first and foremost. Okay, so understanding that is going to be an important tool for you and making sure your alignment is right. Because this way, all right, if you're loose and you're away from the running back, well, now you can cut the field in half without getting reached. All right, if you're to the running back side, now we can get hands on that guy that wants to block down. All right, create less space inside, and uh, you're in a good position to make the play. On the edge, okay, again, alignment is going to be the same back is to you, you should be tight, um, back is away, you can be a little looser. All right, but at the end spot now, if the back is to you, well now you know if it's zone, you got a couple things you got. You need to worry about. Okay, so progression is man on, your tackle goes down, try to get hands on him friction so that, so that he can't get to the second level. Next progression, look down the line of scrimmage. All right, make sure there are no pullers coming. All right, if there's pullers coming, excuse me well then you're either boxing or you're spilling all right and that's based off of whatever your defensive scheme is whatever your coordinator um stresses that you do right all right and if no one is coming well then your next progression is going to be the quarterback shoulder square being able to stay on the line of scrimmage making sure when you shuffle down when you get hands on that tackle when you shuffle down you don't go further than his inside foot Okay, and that's a landmark. You show them on film. You don't want to go past his inside foot because then you put yourself in a position to naturally be out leveraged by the quarterback.
0: Past the tackles inside foot. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, sir. Okay. The offensive tackle yeah. inside foot. Um, so so that's, that's kind of key and important. We just like to show those guys on film where that is, what it looks like so that they understand where they can go past. It takes reps. All right, and it takes them being able to understand it. And it also takes them maybe getting beat one time. Right. See what, listen, that's why you can't do it because you're going to get out leveraged. More times than none, you obviously like your defensive ends to be athletic, and you obviously like for them to be able to, to to keep up with the quarterback. But I mean, sometimes it's just based off of what it is your quarterback is sometimes going to be athletic than, than your defensive end. Right. So they need to understand that. And then from there, back away. If you're the end away from, you know, just making sure you set the edge and, and you're you're creating a fork in the defense so that you're not getting strung out. You don't make that B gap to where your shade is any bigger, all right? And then, so those are your emphasis for the ends. And then the last emphasis for the inside guy the inside guys, that I tell them is the guards will always take you to where you need to go, especially if we're talking about zone. Okay, so no matter what, those guards. In the zone will take you to where you need to go so the emphasis will be making sure we get our hands on them if they go down all right i like to play a two-eye and a three technique and you know you can line them up away but let's just say your two is away from the running back inside shade of that guard i tell those inside guys on any zone if you can if you can force four guys to block so my two-eye have the guard in the center block you, and then my three-technique hands on that guard and make the, the tackle block you. Well, now you create a wall. Yep. And what we stress to those guys is one of two things will happen. You will make those guys stay on you, which is a win for us because the backers should be running free all day. Or once the backers come downhill, they'll pull the blockers off you, either the guard in the center, either the guard or the tackle, now you need to get big in the hole because more than likely the ball carrier is going to be coming to you. Okay, so them understanding that, understanding guards will take you always there. Now you can't have guys that are going to finesse in the run game, that want to swim, that want to, you know, quit. Unless we have a, a blitz on or pressure, you ought to get your hands to the guards every time control the guards make the tackles and or center stay on you if they get off of you you then get big in the hole ready to make the play so with them understanding that they understand the guards will take them there so their hands are always there making that second guy stay if not being ready to get square bigger the hole
0: well coach let me ask let me let me let me uh, interrupt you real quick just so I'm sure you guys, you know, you talk about uh, talk about you know the importance of not getting reached, and that's really where you're, where you, the, the sled drill you mentioned is, is coming into play with you know with those guys yep. getting vertical. Um, yep. But what happens if they do get reached? They do uh, that guard overtakes them, or if I'm the two eye that center overtakes me, what are we doing there? Well, we tell them
1: if you're going to get reached, you better get vertical. Okay, and what that means is they're not going to play it perfect every time. All right, we would like them to. But in the case that you do get reached, keep pushing that thing vertical and make it declared. All right. And what we mean by that is don't have the backers guessing to where you're going. All right. So if you get reached and you get screwed by that center, make sure you're getting a field so you can cut the field in half. So now your backers have a chance to back gap. Right. All right. Or flow over the top. If you're behind and they have to flow over the top, at least they know they have to go now. All right, but if you're up the field and you're cutting the field in half, even though you got reached, well, now as they're pressing forward, now they can fall back into making the tackle. All right, so that's why we stress getting vertical will help everything. Obviously, we don't want them to get reached, but if you do get reached and you're getting vertical, we have a better chance of being successful because you're disrupting the backfield.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a great point, uh, helping those linebackers out behind you, just by, like we like like said, just make, make it declared, <laughs> And then let okay. those allow those guys behind you to make you right. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, so coach, I guess t- tell me why why is it so important uh, as a defensive line to stop inside zone? What's what's the big deal? Well,
1: here here's the thing. Whenever you do a breakdown, or whenever we do a breakdown, or with any teams in our conference, or just in general in the country, you'll find zone is typically their number one play, right? And obviously, you have to prep for the arsenal the powers, the counters, um, the midlines, all right, the option, all those all those, you have to be ready for. But whenever a team comes down to it and, and they want to just go to something that they feel solid with, it, that's their staple, it's typically the zone, 85 to 90%. You know, we'll get teams, we'll have the top five runs. A form of zone will be three out of their top five runs. Okay, so my thing is if we can stop their high percentage play, if we can get really, really, really good at stopping the zone, we will put ourselves in a better position to stop those other plays, okay? Because a team doesn't want to feel uncomfortable about running their number one running play. And once you get them in that position, well, now they have to search for something that helps. And when teams have to search for something that helps, well, now you got them where you want them. Okay, so the emphasis to stop the number one play but obviously we emphasize those top five and we're ready, you know, if they show for anything else, we want to technically be ready for anything else. But if the guys know that they can live, breathe and die on stopping the zone and variations of it, then we will have a chance to be very successful that day. And that's what we want to accomplish.
0: Yeah, coach, I think, you know, if you can take away what a team really wants to do and and, and make them uh, get out of their, of their game plan and do some things that that – Really aren't in their wheelhouse, then that definitely puts your defense at a, at an advantage. Uh, last yeah. question for this coach. So, do you you mentioned with your defensive your defensive ends, uh, they'll either well, let me talk about the defensive end that's on the side of the running back. So he's going to get a down block typically. Are y'all are y'all having that defensive end run heel line and take the dive, or is he you know doing a surf technique and so, sitting on quarterback? Yeah, How so do y'all do it's, that?
1: It's 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 more of a shuffle. Um, I like the feet to to, to stay active. Um, If they can get a piece on that tackle, like I said, get a piece on them while staying square, Um, having those feet active, shuffling down, looking down a lot of scrimmage. All right, so if we got a blocker coming, and let's just say we want to spill them. All right, we're aggressive on the inside half of the puller, and we want to work back to getting square. Being square is our power position. Okay, that's where you have the most strength. So we don't really want to give ourselves up. We want to be able to tack that inside half, um, both hands, work that guy back square with being underneath him. All right, now if we're boxing it, then that guy's coming again, we're shuffling down, seeing that guy come, we'll meet him with our inside shoulder, keeping our outside half free, just in case anything bounces out, because we still have the outside lane um, being able to react. So for that guy, we want him to stay square, be able to attack that blocker. If you want him to box and be able to stay square, then peel on the inside half of that guy that's pulling to work him back up to get back square so that we can be in our gap. Um, and, again, as you know, the biggest thing that, that, that these athletes deal with is eye violations and making sure their eyes are oh, where yeah. supposed to be um, so that, that they can successfully get to a place to so where they can be successful.
0: Yeah, Coach, like you mentioned, I, I I learned this really too late in my career. It was something that, that I did I overlooked. Starting out as a young coach, but eye discipline is so important, uh, especially mm-hmm. coaching up young guys uh, because it's it's their eyes want to go to the backfield. Uh, we were doing a little bit of drill of that today, just, just working on eye discipline, eye discipline, because that's such an important uh, skill for those guys to have and such an important discipline for those guys to be able to have in order for them to be successful. So let's move in a little bit of pass rush. Now, your defensive okay. line units have – uh, finished second in the conference in the Southland Conference in, in SACS in the last couple of years. I know you've had some some really good uh, players. Uh, I believe it was – is it P.J. Hall, who was the second-round draft pick of the Raiders last year? Yes, sir. Is that right? Um, so yes, you've had, obviously had some talented players there. But talk to us a little bit about pass rush. When you get a young kid who comes into your program, how do you begin teaching, teaching them about pass rush? That can be a little bit overwhelming sometimes. So where do you where do you start teaching pass rush?
1: Surprisingly. When you get when you get your freshmen, sometimes, especially if they're ends, now not probably so much with inside guys, but ends, they will probably feel more comfortable rushing the passer than playing sound base run defense. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of times those kids just have the ability in high school to be better than the guys that they're going against. All right. So a lot of their technique and their moves will work. But we have to fine tune is when the kids get to college when they come to us making sure they're not trying to do 15 different pass rush moves right so as a coach what is a kid what what do you do really well okay and that's based off your high school film it's based off of your ability and maybe a little bit of what you don't even know you can do and uh from there you know uh, some of the some of the, some of the moves i like is is you, you need to lay your foundation with speed to power any of your four linemen, any of my four linemen up front, need to be able to to, to work speed to power. And all that is, is knowing that it's going to be pass. Or even if you're transitioning from run to pass. Okay, your get-off is similar. Only if it's second and long, third and long, you're probably going to be more in pass rushing lead. But BGL, BGO is ball get-off. How fast can you get off the ball? And after you know... That it's gonna be run, I mean, that you know it's gonna be pass, convert the speed off to ball to exploding and engaging on contact to the guy that you're on. All right, so ends, you can speed the power and speed the power to transition into long arm. Okay, so long arm, the philosophy on that is one arm is always longer than two. All right, if you stand your player up with an offensive guy, tell him to put both hands out, and he tell a defensive lineman, just put your inside hand on his chest more right. than likely his arm will be longer than the two arms. Okay, so speed off the edge, transitioning into striking with that inside hand and striking with the palm. All right, that's where your power going to come from. Emphasis on being able to grab the jersey. Okay, being able to grab will give you control on whether you want to throw him outside and come in or throw him inside and finish on the outside. Okay, so that speed the power now transitions into a long arm. All right, inside speed the power transition on the pass rush, uh, being able to use both hands to explode. And then from there, you can either use your hands to get rid of the guy that you're on, or you can put him in the quarterback's lap. So that's that's, that's first part, speed, the power. Um, on the edge, I also teach those guys uh, chop, rip, being aggressive, coming down with that chop, um, hitting it with kind of your forearm, making sure you, you solidify that guy's hand. Um, and an emphasis on that is being able to time up the punch. So one of the pass push moves I do is um, you get your, you know, get a blue hand shield or something that you can put on your arm. All right, a coach can do this. I like to do it because I like to, to change up when I punch. And all you do is you're resembling an offensive tackle. You'll get in a position to, to kick set. You make them go off of your movement so they're still keying something. And all you do is you kick set until a point to where you want to offer the hand. All right? What this drill is specifically for is making sure that they can time up when they want to do their chop rip or when they want to do their club rip. Being able to time up when the offensive guy is going to offer his hands will obviously put you in a great position if you can time up the punch to chop it down so that he, ha- so that he doesn't have a chance to reset. Right. So, so that timing up the punch drill can work on the outside for the chop rip. And, and one of the emphasis after the chop rip and, and things that I, that I coach those guys to do is reach with that outside hand. And when you reach with that outside hand, you force your hips, your outside hip to the quarterback. So now you can finish. I, I stress to those guys, the difference between a good defensive lineman and a great defensive line being able to finish on the quarterback. It's good to get in his perimeter. It's good to get in his face, but to get that guy down, we have to work on finishing our reach. All right. So being able to throw that outside hand to flip those hips towards quarterback is going to be important. So that's what the chop, rip, reach. And then on the inside, guys, closer to the ball, I'll work the club, rip, reach. All right, so right off the ball, clubbing with that outside hand, ripping with that inside hand, and then reaching with the outside hand to finish on the quarterback. After that, you know, if you have a stud that's able to, to, to spin and, and you give them the go-to, Understand that he, he needs to use it sparingly, but let him know that he can still keep it in his arsenal. All right, because the game of football is cumulative, All right, And your players, the, the older and, and, and wiser that they get, they'll understand during the game you need to set up some things. So know by the fourth quarter, if you've been doing something for the first three, you've been setting this up. <laughs> maybe Maybe it only works that one time, but that one time that it does work is going to be a big-time play. Right. All right, so they need to understand that that, that transition uh, in the game to, to when they're setting something up. And then once they do that, you know, making sure they don't do things that they're not supposed to. All right, so just emphasize before you step up to the ball when you're going to pass rush, you need to have a plan. All right, so the things that we've been working on, if we've been working on speed to power and chop rip, don't get up there and do a deke or a spin or something like that to where we haven't been studying Also, you'll know your opponent. So know what they're susceptible to and make sure you execute that. And then once you do that, it's going to come down to being able to finish on the quarterback. All right, so understanding your opponent is going to be key, knowing what they do, um, knowing your move. And then the most important part after that is having a plan, but also being able to execute the counter. All right, and when I say execute the counter, you may have a club grip, all right, but what if you miss or what if he catches you? Well, now you need to just convert the speed to power, put him in the quarterback's lap and try to disrupt him any way that you
0: can. I like what you said about, you know, having one really good rush and then and then maybe a counter off of it. I think sometimes, you know, so especially as D-line coaches, we can get caught up in seeing stuff on Instagram or Twitter or watching stuff on Saturdays or Sundays that we see guys doing, and we want to try to teach our guys that. And it's mm-hmm. really easy to get those guys overwhelmed with all of these pass rushes, yep. um, but if we can get them really good at one, especially as as, as high school players, I think if we can get, get them to have one really good rush that they feel really good about, that's their go-to, and then a counter right. off of it, then they're going to be really tough to uh, to beat in, in passing situations.
1: And I would even, you know, I do something with the guys on Friday where I pick an NFL player of the week, and this is during the season. And, you know, I'll pick like an Aaron Donald. And I'll put an Aaron Donald highlight on Friday before the game. Okay? Maybe we'll pick an inside guy this week. And I'll show them the highlight. And then after the highlight, I'll ask them what they see, what they saw. And to to their amazement, you mean Aaron Donald is getting paid all this money defensive play of a year, and he's using speed of power. Yeah. Uh, he's using club grip. And that's it. Right. Oh, you know, this is a guy that's getting 14, 15 sacks a year. Right. You no know, so- Uh, A lot of times they need to see that. As much as Coach will say it, those guys, as we know, they need some some validation from people that have done it, you know, or people that need to see it, and that's what I give them by showing them that highlight. Um, And then once they see that and and you're able to train them and and focus on those those moves, then they seem to get it there. Because a lot of kids are going to come in raw, and you need to be able to give them some direction as far as what they need to be doing.
0: And, and Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I, I I, liked what you said also about having a plan. I think that's key too. I think a lot of times guys can go in there where they don't have a plan and they're just sort of, you know, they end up running right through the middle of somebody, and which, which is never good uh, to yeah. run right through the middle of an offensive of lineman. It's crucial for those guys to have a plan and execute it. And you can pick up on watching film, watching those tendencies and tells that those guys are uh, – that are going to give up what they're doing and you can tell what they, you know, whether they're, they lunge or they, they cross their feet at a certain point or uh, yeah. they're slow with their hands. All those things are things that, that will help your guys be successful. Well, what are yeah. some, some drills that you like to do to, to help uh, coach pass rush hoops, bags, you know, pop-ups, those things.
1: Yeah. So I use your, your traditional pop-ups. Um, we'll, we'll get on the pop-ups and we'll do like a, you know, kind of like a four corners deal, have four pop-ups. All right, we'll, we'll start with a club rip. Get that second cone, with a chop rip. Get to the, I mean, not cone, I'm sorry. Get to the second pop-up bag, chop rip. Make sure you're flipping your hips while you're doing this. The third one, club rip. And the last one, chop rip with a reach to a finish. So now they're working on multiple things while they're also being aggressive on the bags, while they're also working their hips, and they're also working on their finish. So you accomplish multiple things in this one drill by doing that. Um, and then, uh, I mean, it, it comes down to your age old. Get a guy from in front of you. Get a guy in front of you. All right, and we're working on speed the power. I mean, we're just going to work on coming off the ball, sticking that inside arm in his chest, and working him back.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, working him back. And and uh, you don't have to do anything crazy, like I said a lot of times with these pass rush it's more so making sure they understand the fundamentals and why they're doing it. Right. All right. Why they are doing it? Now I can introduce you to a towel drill, engage, get up field, go down and work on your chop to pick up the towel. Right. And now that'll work on your chop more. Right. We're still working on the chop rip reach. All right. So it's, it's different parts that you can incorporate in different drills to work on the same things. But again, they need to have that foundation, Guys need to earn the right to be able to do those special pass rush drills. Oh, like,
0: yeah, that's a great point. You great
1: know, point. you got
0: to earn the right to do it. Uh, there are those, There's definitely those guys that have the green light to try some stuff, and, and those guys yeah. who got to stay in their little box and and do their one or two pass rush moves. And 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 you're right. It's a, it's it's something they have to earn to in order to to get a little bit of a little bit longer leash, especially yeah, on third exactly. downs.
1: Exactly.
0: Well, coach, as we get ready to wrap up. Um, you know, we're always, as coaches, looking for ways to uh, improve in the off season. So tell us, what's one thing you're wanting to do to, to improve as a coach or uh, improve your defensive line this offseason? Uh, well, one of the things that we, we're, we're looking into
1: right now is um, being able to transition from a four-down front to a three-down front, um, different ways to do that, whether you want to bring a guy off the field, keep the guys on the field, um, just figure out kind of that easy, that easy transition and then also, big emphasis for us is going to be the big plays. How do you eliminate the big plays? Why you gave up those big plays? Um, because we're in a situation to where you're in the top five in the country for for third down percentage, but you're also giving up, you know, 200 rushing yards a game. Well, that doesn't add up. Right. right? So we have to figure out how to take away and eliminate those big plays and, and also uh, with the guys that you have up front, seeing how you can get your best plays on the field and, and how you do that with, with, with who you. Is going to be an emphasis for
0: us this this off season, Right. Well, and, and then I'm going to bring this up because this is unique and this is something we both have in common, but you're an English guy. You have an English degree from Delaware, and I also mm-hmm. have an English degree. So we're a little bit uh, of, of outliers, I guess, is <laughs> yes, when it comes to the coaching profession of being English guys. So yeah. I'm sure you like to read. So are there any books out there, coaching or leadership or otherwise, um, that, that you would recommend uh, to coaches out there who are looking to maybe uh, get into a book this offseason?
1: The 10X rule, now the 10X rule, this is more focused on, um, it's more kind of geared towards business. Um, but it just explains how much work you need to put in in order to get the results. And something that I learned even as a young coach, you may think you're doing enough, but there's probably way more that you can be doing. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, it's a self-challenge that you have to push yourself to and you have to you have to set your ceiling to a point to where you're always trying to learn more and always trying to achieve more all right never feel complacent enough to where you can never learn all right that's that's kind of my mindset and what that book did for me is understanding you know if if i want to figure out how guys can stop you know hopping out of their stance, or maybe i need to read more and if reading isn't helping maybe i need to watch videos right watching videos is a helpful maybe i need to find a coach that does it you know some guys will just stop at that first stage and say all right well know, that's it. Um, Just understanding the grind and and how much time you have to put into to to be the the coach that you want to be. I mean, coaches study for 15, 20 plus years. um, So you can never feel like you've learned everything. You always feel like you should always feel as though you can learn more and uh, kind of push yourself to to want to achieve more. But I I do believe um, I didn't love reading, to be honest, but once I understood that that reading would, would give me the knowledge that I needed and I would learn from it, you know, I read out of necessity, you know, because it helped me out. So that was a benefit from being in, from being an English major and, and, I, and i benefited a lot from doing that.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, you talked about that book being a business book and some of the best books that I've read for football have been books that had nothing to do with football, whether it was, yep. you know, about business or, or leadership and, and they're things that that it really um, they're just applicable to anybody in a leadership position, and, and so um, that's awesome that, that that you found that book and and uh, and I know that uh, I, I like the, the what you said about always just looking for ways to get better and not stopping at that first step, but you know, just keep yep. seeking and keep seeking, and ultimately that's how we're going to grow as as coaches, um, and and that's the the example we want to set for our own guys. We don't want them stopping at the first. Uh, roadblock to come to so I think if we want them to want them to be that way we got to be that way as well you're absolutely right well coach tell us about uh you guys got spring ball coming up uh tell us a little bit about your schedule in case we have some guys uh in the huntsville area who want to come check you out
1: yes sir so that first week of march we'll start our spring ball and then we go on spring break from the 8th until the 15th and then after we get back from spring break our practice days will be monday wednesday and friday we practice in the morning at uh, eight o'clock, so it goes from like eight until ten thirty, and then um, spring game. Okay, I believe it's April twelfth. Okay, it'll be April twelfth. So um, that's kind of the, the the layout of how it's going.
0: Well, Coach Haynes, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you gave us a lot of great things to uh, to think about and and uh, go back and implement implement with our own defensive lines. Uh, good luck to you this off season, and and uh, have a great great season this next year. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Once again, thanks so much to Coach Haynes for coming on and talking to us. And Make sure you give Coach Haynes a follow on Twitter, at Coach Sadiq. That's at Coach S-I-D-D-I-Q. Our quote of the day comes from the book that he mentioned, The 10X Rule, The Only Difference Between Success and Failure. I'll tell you what, there are a lot of great quotes from that book. And if you haven't read it, I would definitely recommend it. But our quote for the day is, Until you become completely obsessed with your mission, no one will take you seriously. Until the world understands that you're not going away, that you are 100% committed and have complete and utter conviction and will persist in pursuing your project, you will not get the attention you need and the support you want. That's it for us today. Make sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast. And until next time, keep your pads down.